Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Bite Show podcast. My name is Jeremy Lawman Lamont, standing in for our typical host, LeGrand Jolly, who is out, probably with some sort of horrible flesh-eating illness. Uh, no, he told us he'd be traveling, so we decided we'd do this without him. Uh, joined today by my two co-hosts, Dale Count Elmdor Jones. How's it going, Dale? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. And Jared, Red Eye Dunn. How's it going, Jared? Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How's it going, Jared? Good, good, good. Good. Oh, good. It's Yay. all good. So good. You know, this brave new world we've entered in, I have a uh, fancy smartwatch, but I've lost the cable that charges it, so it's dead. <laughs> I saw somebody I saw somebody posting on social media that their watch had crashed, and it had like a, <laughs> this Android device has stopped working or something like that. Mine is one of those fancy Garmin GPS watches, but I can't find the little clip charger for it, so it's just worthless now. I saw a great um, story today about Juicero. Have you guys heard of this thing? It's like yeah, a juice machine. Yeah, the, the connected juicer. Yes, and it is the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, in, in, in the day and age where your watch loses its charging cable or reboots itself or whatever, uh, I encourage everybody to go look up about Juicero because it is a juicing machine that I guess was... Juicing those VCs. Yeah, it was like a, a venture capitalist mm-hmm. investment thing, like this this Silicon Valley darling of this juicing machine. And what it is is it's basically a thing that squeezes pre-made juice bags. <laughs> uh, you know, like it doesn't even juice a fruit. It juices a bag. It like sque- it literally squeezes a bag, and like people couldn't people didn't know that. And then the thing released, and I, and I guess it might read the details of the bag to make sure it's not expired or whatever. But people I found out that you can just so. like use your hands and squeeze the juice out of the bag without the seven hundred dollar machines they wanted to sell you. It's the Keurig of the juicer world. But it's like people didn't realize you can just brew your own coffee. Like if you could just put a fruit in, like that would be something. But it literally squeezes a bag for you. You have to buy yeah. the bags that have the fruit yeah. inside them. Yeah, and, and yeah, for a while they wouldn't even sell bags. you the bags unless you had the machine, so it, it was just weird, but I love that story. I think it's the worst thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> I bought four today. Yeah. <laughs> to go with my watch <laughs> that I can't yeah. use. <laughs> it's uh, it's the worst thing I've ever heard after this podcast. Welcome everybody to the Game Bite Show podcast. Uh, this is our midweek show. We do two shows a week and we're going to be talking to you this fine day about the video games that we've been playing so that you can vicariously join us in our uh, enthralling video game adventures since nobody really plays video or games anymore. vicariously if, if you're a vicar. You, yes, if you're the Pope, uh, you may vicariously join us. I like um, to bishoply join you (laughs) (laughs) and uh in this uh pastoral podcast uh we're gonna just start talking about video games now i think we've i think we've done our warm-up um and you know what i'm gonna start with uh the hottest of the hot players of video games jared red i done jared i know that you've been i yes it's you Mm -hmm. i bet you didn't even know it uh (laughs) jared what have you been playing this week um, so I've decided I'm not going to play any new games anymore uh, for the rest of my gaming career. Um, I, I've, I've literally been playing games, the same games I've been playing for like a decade. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think, you, I think you talked about these two games on the first time we were ever on a podcast together. Possibly. <laughs> um, it's like a tradition. So, so I will go ahead and mention uh, we did beat the fourth level in Cursed Castilia. You should head over to YouTube and check that out right away. YouTube.com yes. slash Um I've mentioned this before, those, but that is turtles. a weirdly 
it is a weirdly popular video series. Um, like, I think I've had more comments just, like, off the cuff on social media. People are like, oh, yeah, I've been watching. I don't know what it is about that, but it apparently is really fun to watch you, like, try and fail and try and fail and eventually get it by the skin of your teeth. Yeah, that that turtle sequence almost made me give up on, on just mankind altogether. Yeah. It was... Uh... Anyway, go watch it. You'll see what we mean. I mean, it's hard to miss the turtle sequence. It's half the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, we learned uh, a lot about turtles game, that day. It looks kind of like um, La Mulana. Did you guys ever play that? Mm-mm. I did not, but I believe that you're right. And not only because it's a Spanish name. <laughs> right, but, that's that's the one reason. <laughs> uh, well, I, You know, I don't think we've actually talked about this on the on the podcast, though. So, Jared, can you describe Cursed Castilla? Uh, sure, yeah. It's, it's essentially um, a Ghost and Goblins style game. So a 2D platformer. Um, you're a little dude. You run, you know, left to right, uh, beat bad guys, beat bosses. Um, it is based on, uh, very loosely on, like, medieval spanish myth so i I was reading up on a a little bit the other day uh when i found out there's eight levels instead of six and started crying um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's 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 very loosely based on you know sort of spanish myth and lore um and so that's kind of where i think all the bosses and stuff are coming from which is kind of interesting Uh but uh yeah so it's it's like a 2D platforming, like a very simple kind of platformer where they basically, you get like one or two hits, right? And you get three hearts, I guess. We've got three, three hearts. hearts. Yeah. So three it looks to me like, die. like when you, like the, the character and everything looks very Ghosts and Goblins, like you said, but some yeah. of the like, um, the, the background graphics and, and stuff like that kind of re- remind me of La Mulana. Yeah. And it's, it's the project of, uh, I believe it was just one individual, um, who, who, released it and it was originally free on pc i think free to download and then it had an xbox release uh which is when it you, you can pick it up for they did a like a extended edition or whatever and you can pick yeah it there's up like a limited for, edition cursed like castilla ten, ex yeah you can pick that up for like 10 bucks on steam or on xbox one i believe but uh it, it's really fun the the controls are pretty tight um there are a few little oddities to it uh, that kind of get me. I, I kind of get in this real bad habit if I'm trying to jump in attack. I, I, I can't quite. I, I can only hit it like the top or at the bottom of the jump. I, I have trouble hitting the middle. Um, but that's probably just me being bad. <laughs> and and the art style, like you said, has some very distinctive things. My favorite are like the horrible little. Like there's something very unsettling about some of the bad guys in this. Like there's little oh, bugs man. that kind of have people faces. Yeah, they and they just kind of haunt your nightmares. Uh, the dude has a righteous beard, though. I mean, let's let's be honest. That's one of the greatest beards in nice, video uh, game history. Chainmail quaff, also. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of nestles his beard. You know, it just mm-hmm. supports it. And it has kind of a secondary weapon, like you sometimes will find these little crates where you can mm-hmm. do, uh, I think your, your weapon of choice is the uh, sickle. The sickle is great. So the normal sword will travel the length of the screen or until it hits something, and you can throw two at a time. Um, and then and then you have to wait for one of them to be destroyed, and then you can throw them again. So it's basically, you know, just sort of a ranged weapon. But the sickle is great because it will go out and then come back. Um but one of the things that is nice about it is that you actually get three attacks with it, so it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a lot about managing the space on the screen. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of it's not it doesn't play like it, but it kind of reminds me of something like Volgar the Viking, where every dude who's on the screen is potentially a threat, 
And you've just got to be able to angle your jumps the right way. There's no air control in this game, so once you commit to a jump, like, that's oh, it. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, yeah. Um... Am I wrong about that? Is there air control in this no, game? No, I, I, I like? think there. I think there is air control, and that was the only thing saving me with the turtles last night. So yeah. when when I would do a jump, so the one thing that there isn't is when you are running and jump forward. No matter like if there's there's no analog speed to it, right? So if you're running forward, you're running forward. If you're standing still, you're standing still. Um, and there's no in between. So on that turtle sequence in particular, it was tricky with the close together turtles because he he only jumps. Uh, either straight up or in one arc. Um, and so if, if you're jumping from one turtle to the next and they're close together, uh, he's going to jump over it. And so yeah, there's kind to, of like a like a high it, jump if, if you yeah. jump and then try an air control, and then there's a long jump if you're moving and then jump. Yeah, it's kind of wacky. Yeah. Um, it's probably something, like you said, I mean, if you see it in action... Uh, it, it probably makes a lot more sense. So yeah. there, there are there are an ongoing series of archives over at youtube.com slash yeah, Show for, that you can check four out. Four great episodes. Of, it, and, and like at least three more in the can, right? Like we got we to gotta yeah. do, is it three more levels? Did you finish for the fourth level or the fifth yeah. level? Fourth? fourth level. So we're on uh, stage five now. We'll probably do an episode, um, a stage per episode. Hopefully. Unless, <laughs> unless we just kind of burn through one so, real fast. So far, by the end of the time allotted, <laughs> we've been able to get to the end. Uh, but that's part of the excitement. So yeah, exactly. tune into those exactly. live. Yeah, they're fun. Uh, so we'll, we'll do the next one next Monday. Um, the other game I've been playing, I'm going to go up my list here, I guess. Uh, Guild Wars 2. And this is just kind of a... I, I keep falling... I fall back to this game all the time. Um, I like to jump in World vs. World. You know, I know I've talked about that before, but uh, it's always a good time. I've got a group of people I run with, and you can basically hop on and run around and beat people up. Lately, our uh, group has been running with a new sort of composition, so the class I play, instead of using uh, greatswords and hammers and stuff, we, I've been running around with a mason shield, and it's it's uh, really interesting. It reduces your mobility quite a bit, so you're a lot slower, but uh, the entire group is able to sustain for a lot longer. So you, they, I think they call it a murder ball. <laughs> you actually just kind of move as a little clump, like very slowly around the battlefield and just uh, bash people's <laughs> brains in. It's and really nobody funny. can. What's yeah. the defense against the murder ball? Ranged weapons or what? Um, can, yeah, can, like conditions. You can like mass condition pe- that group and just kind of wear them down. You kind of have to range them down. If you can get one person out of the group, then uh, they won't be able to sustain. And they'll go down and you can kind of then start to snowball that. So so does it does it change anything other than the numbers? I mean, is there any like range advantage or an attack arc or something like that that you get with a different? So, so the mace has probably the shortest range, but the, the interesting thing with the mace on the guardian is it actually has a like I want to say four of the five skills on the mace shield heal <laughs> or provide uh, big damage mitigation. Huh. So like even the basic attack heals so as you're doing damage or healing you can put a like an area of effect heal down you can do this block that gives everyone protection and then does this massive uh area of effect attack you can create this bubble that like surrounds your allies and then heals them it's it's pretty impressive um it doesn't do a ton of damage but when you stack up enough people and then with the other classes running with you like necromancers and stuff they 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 provide the damage and, and the guardians just kind of pummel things into the dirt. It's how long does one of these matches take? Like how long are you sitting at a computer doing the murder ball? Um, 
so the thing with world versus world is it's all open, right? So you'll start at your spawn point and you might run to a keep if you see it's contested or the scout, the um, sentries on the map, if you control them, will highlight where enemies might be. Uh, and, you, and you typically find enemies in the same spot all the time. So, you know, we'll run around as about 30, 35 people or so, maybe, maybe less, maybe more, depending on uh, how popular, how busy of a night it is. Um, and we'll just kind of roam the maps and you follow one person is designated the, uh, the quote unquote driver, the leader, and they get a little special symbol above their head and you follow him around. And, uh, then you might find a bad guy, uh, you know, a bad guy group and, and you attack him. So, so is it satisfying? Do people like cry when they get hit by the murder ball? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think so. We, we have gotten really good at playing this way and, uh, before, you know, it might be kind of iffy if, if we go down, but now we can, there's probably several occasions we've taken groups uh, quite a bit larger than us um, and and won. And, and when you start to win, I mean, they just start to melt like butter. It, it's really satisfying to just kind of plow through a group and just, just literally oh, beat them into the ground. Are so. you getting um, gear rewards or something? Yeah, so they have a few different ways you get rewarded. So you get like uh, typical loot drops. You you don't get like the other player's equipment. You just get uh, random loot table drops, which are usually pretty much junk. I, I salvage them for materials and then sell the materials on the auction house. But uh, you also they also added actual reward tracks, which they've had in PvP for quite a while, but they're relatively new to World vs. World. So you basically select a reward track, and as you do things in world vs world as you capture uh locations or uh defeat enemies or defend locations you get uh contribution points basically and and as you contribute over so so much time you essentially level up this reward track and you unlock different things so you might get um skill books which allow you to gain a level for free which is pretty pointless you might get uh in some of them that are world versus world focused you get uh siege equipment which you can use in open world open field to either defend a tower or a capture one like you have to beat down the gates um and then uh some of them have like unique armor sets stuff like that that you can kind of unlock and then at the different locations like at camps keeps and the uh, towers when you defeat a lord they have these resource nodes and you can harvest those and get materials that you can use for crafting yourself so there's quite huh. a few ways you can make money off it and it's just kind of a fun what what really what it boils down to is you get in on team speak you are talking with 30 or so really goofy people for a couple hours while you run around and video game and it's just a pretty enjoyable kind of i i, I you know, I, it's relaxing for me because most of the time you're not actually engaged in combat. Uh, you might be traversing a map or waiting or waiting for the enemy to kind of push out from their keep or whatever. So it's just a kind of a nice way to play and just kind of hang out, really. And murder ball. And murder ball. Uh, they got some great names for the different styles. There's a uh, hammer train, uh, murder ball, pirate ship was one for a while. <laughs> pirate ship, <laughs> man. Yeah. So it, good stuff. It all sounds lewd to me. Uh, Arena Net, if you're listening, it's time to nerf murder ball. Mur- no, nerf stop murder it. ball. Stop nerf it. it. No, nerf don't it. do it. Don't do it, Arena Net. Um, so the other game I've been playing. I mean, I've been playing a ton of this. I know I talked about it last week. Is uh, Rainbow Six Siege. So you know they had they actually had a patch come out 
today, I think, is just sort of a balance update. Um, but I believe they are actually getting near, I, I don't know when the next update is scheduled, uh, but they do, in their season passes, they have basically four major releases a year, it seems like. And the, the one before was the <laughs> Velvet Shell, Operation Velvet Shell. Is that named after Velveeta Shells? Yes, probably. <laughs> I knew it. they're delicious. I knew it. Um, which added the two Spanish operators, Mira on defense and Jackal on attack, which are pretty cool. I don't play them a lot, but... Uh, and then a new map. So basically each of these major releases, you get two new operators and a new map, and then... Uh, you, there's usually some like customizations thrown in that you can buy and stuff like that. So I actually uh, have been a subscriber to their um, season pass. I, I subscribed, I bought the first season pass and then was still playing and enjoying it so much. I was like, oh, I'll get the second. So I've uh, pumped quite a bit of money into this game. But uh, again, I, I played a lot, so I feel pretty good about that. And they still have an upcoming, like, is it, is it season three now that they're that they're doing? So the first the first season pass was like two con- two big content drops, and then now it, it's a it's it, another thing. Am I? Yeah, it was four. I believe it was four, and then uh, well, let's see, Black Ice. Yeah, so it's four. Season one was four. Uh, they had Black Ice, which added the Canadians and a new map, Dust Line. Which added the Navy Seals, I think. Skull, Rain, added Boop from uh, Brazil. And then uh, Red Crow added Japan. Huh. And then Velvet Shell was uh, Spain. So, you know, they're, they're kind of walking around doing different operators from around the world. Of course, they're all like superheroes, essentially. Right. With, their with fancy special code gadgets. names. Yeah, with their fancy gadgets and. Um, like the the new one in Velvet Shell, the defensive Mira, she has two of these mirrors that she can place on walls, and they're one way mirrors that you can only see through one direction. But you just like place it on any wall, and it like creates a mirror to the other side, which is pretty magical, but uh, kind of neat. Yeah, right. Like that's some pretty good subcontracting right there. Um, well, it adds it adds some interesting. You know, suddenly you can get sight lines uh, to, to areas that you didn't have before, so it really kind of changes up. If you're attacking and you see that, it kind of makes you uh, adjust on the fly. And the Jackal, the new guy Jackal, is actually a counter to one of the Bope operators, which can in, is a defensive operator, and she can knock, like, basically, if you are down but not out, uh, she can interrogate you, and everyone on the defensive team sees where all of your, uh, all of the attackers are, which is super powerful. Oh, yeah. uh, Jackal does something similar, so he has like a tracking thing, and he can see footprints on the ground, and it shares that information with the team. Yeah, they had so something like cool. that in Killzone too. Like you would always try and get the special kills because anybody could do it. Like if you snuck mm-hmm. up behind someone or something like that, it kind of worked. Our Killzone Mercenary, I think, on the Vita, I think it was. But yeah, that's kind of a cool mechanic. So do they keep it pretty balanced? I mean, with all these new operators coming out, is there ever anyone who's yeah, like Nerf Murder Ball? No, they've been trying to balance it. I know there's some operators that don't get used a lot. Like uh, one of the original operators, Tachanka, I think is how you say it, is a Russian defense guy. And he oh, can I thought set he was up... going to be Native American. No. Tachanka, <laughs> that's the name of the Krogan homeworld. There you go. Um, no, it he, he basically has like a machine gun he can set up, but it is really limiting... Um, you know, it, it being stuck in one spot is not really how you want to play this game because you can be flanked from so many positions because because of all the destructible walls and floors and ceilings. So, he, he 
they they've tried to buff you kind of beef him up a few times and i'm not sure that it's it's worked yet so <laughs> mm, stupid so, chonka yeah i mean there there's probably instances where he's useful but in most cases you're probably better off with one of the other you know 40 options or 20 options or whatever so they're, they're trying you gonna buy the new thing when it comes out uh well since i have the season pass i will not need to i oh see i thought the season pass only went for a certain time and then you had to buy another season pass or something well i already did (laughs) i got the second one so the second they've only had one release so they've got three more in season two oh got it okay yeah so very good rainbow six siege still a great game after all these years well dale 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 (laughs) what has been going on in your neck of the woods oh you know nothing nothing major um i mostly have uh just been keeping up with um mass effect andromeda and breath of the wild i've been sort of alternating those games because i find that they're like almost perfect complements for each other because andromeda has just a ton of walking around and and chatting to people and doing kind of like a lot of what you might call like social um upkeep with your your crew members on your ship and then you go to these like town hub places and everybody has a, a quest or something they want you to do and so I've really been spending a lot of time in Mass Effect just kind of like wandering around talking to people and uh, kind of in the sort of role-playing side of the game as opposed to like the out in the in the open action side of the game. Um, and, and making I've, progress side of the game? Yeah, I, I think most of the progress in Andromeda is more toward the like in-town role-play chatty sort of stuff. Uh, and then you kind of only go out and do things in the open world when when there's an objective out there. At least that's how I've done it so far. And I've got like 30 hours in the game now. So so, so that's an interesting point. So what? So you feel like the progression in the game actually happens in the dialogue then? Is that is that what... I mean, what actually moves the game forward? Is it the story or is it completing some combat things? Well, it's, you know, it's both. Like any... Like a lot of games, right? But like you'll get to a point where it's like, okay, we actually got to go out there and find the thing or go out there and kill the dude or whatever. Um, and right. so... So at that point, you'll go and you'll do that part of the quest, which, uh, or that part of the plot line quest sort of thing, which is is usually kind of like a a small portion of it, right? I mean, there are exceptions. So like the one of the first major things in the game is that you go through this like vault area, which is it's almost kind of like a like a big actiony dungeon sort of mission thing, like you might have gotten from Mass Effect two or three. Um, but uh, by and large, what I've been seeing in, in Andromeda so far is just kind of a lot of... There's a few of those that I've been through. One with a, a boss encounter, indeed. Um, but um, other than that, it's kind of been bouncing around from like planet to planet, like so kind of settlement to settlement, talking to various faction leaders or, or people and um, doing that sort of thing, which which is why I find that it's... it's um, very well complemented by playing that like alternating with uh, Zelda because the new Zelda is like no talk, no towns. <laughs> you're just out and you're just kind of like wandering around the countryside, um, you know, getting into fights or doing like little shrine, which are like a shrine is basically like a portal test chamber or something. Basically it's like a, it's a like kind of a one and done puzzle thing. Right. Uh, it's a lot of just playing the game. So does this game have? So just to ask the same question as I did about Mass Effect, is there something that drives 
the st- I mean, is there a story in this game? I mean, I hear a lot of people talking about the. It's more like you know. I mean, yeah, there's there's a story, and I'm not I'm not really far into the story, so I don't know if there's more cutscenes or anything. But there's been a, there's been a few little cutscene things, right? But it's like I'm trying to think of. Um, I mean, basically just in how frequently you have a, a plot scene versus how much you're just kind of out wandering the world, it's more similar to something right. like Skyrim, you know? Um, right. Or, or I was thinking like uh, Dead Rising or something where it's like, oh my gosh, we have this really important thing that's going to go on. We're going to find the cure for, for zombieism. Uh, but actually, I'm going to go and just like putz around for 12 yeah, hours. I, I, I don't can't speak at all for Dead Rising because I've barely played any of those. But this, this is it's it's basically like um, it's almost like very few things that have ever come before. It's almost kind of like how in Dark Souls or in like Demon Souls, you just start the game and you just start playing, and right. there's very little in the way of like guidance or um, it's like hey hey you need to go here and talk to these people and do this. There's a little bit of that, but it comes after the first few hours of the game. And then you're sent, you know, like halfway across the 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 world as you can see it at that point to like say Kakariko Village and you go there and you can have all sort you can take your time and meander and have all sorts of weird encounters and find stuff along the way. And then when you get there, there's some people in town you can talk to um Impa, the the lady there, the like old lady there, and then she you have like a short little cutscene. She explains some things to you about kind of like the lore of the world or whatever, and what you're supposed to be doing. And then you're basically sent on your way to the next place, and it's pretty far away. And you kind of how you get there is is up to you, um, because Link can can climb mountains like right out of the gate. And there's a the the high rule of this game is very mountainous and very hilly and there's lots of terrain it's just a really big world um and so i find myself like i just kind of get out there and i, I just kind of walk around to the next thing it's like oh what's that over in the distance i'll just go over there and and see that. oh there's a shrine over here i'll go in there and do that shrine and so the the way that you um progress through the game in terms of character progression right it would be like to get better armor and what better weapons and then like up the amount of stamina and heart containers that you have. And right. you do that by, by um, conquering these shrine puzzles. And at the end of each one, you get a, uh, it's like a spirit orb or something is what they call it. And once you get enough spirit orbs, you can find a, a statue to pray to the, uh, it's like the goddess of light or I don't know, somebody. And then then, <laughs> then that's when you can choose to either up your stamina or your heart containers, right? And there's, you might have heard, there's something like 120 or more of these shrines scattered throughout right. the land. And um, there, it seems to me like the, I haven't seen even a small fraction of the whole thing, but it seems like a really big world because they're not, they're not just around every corner. Uh, I mean, they seem, I've run into several, you know, kind of frequently. I've probably done about 15 to this point, 12 to 15. That's not bad. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Zelda is, is, it's just really good. It's so then, then the other thing, the other measure of Zelda is, uh, any cool stories. Like, have you had any like weird or funny or, um, like amazing coincidental things that just kind of happened while you were doing them? Uh, not, nothing too remarkable. Um, no. 
I've I've been kind of avoiding uh, camps of enemies and avoiding combat where I can just because there's not a whole lot of um, I don't know if there's a, a lot of real reason to go out and seek out combat when you can kind of just walk by them if they're like a well, few hundred yards out of the way. Well, you don't get any experience for it. Right, exactly. There's no experience points. And your weapons break, right? Yeah, yeah, you have weapon degradation. I haven't found that to be a really big deal. In fact, I, I it's more often that I'm not able to pick up a weapon because you only have um, a limited number of slots in your inventory. I think you start out with being able to carry like six or maybe eight different weapons. And um, I did find somebody that would uh, up my um, inventory by so the other thing that you run into in the world are these like Korok seeds and uh, you'll just like sometimes you'll just literally like lift up a rock and oh there was a Korok hiding under there and he'll give you his seed and, <laughs> and um, if you find this one guy he'll for eat every two or three seeds that you give him you can um, carry one more weapon or one more shield or one more bow right one more slot of one of those sorts of things. And those are the things that continuously break as you use them, right? Like all the various melee weapons or, or bows or shields. And, um, so yeah, if you don't, there's not really a great reason to just kill every bad guy or camp of bad guys that you come across, but several of them that I've found have like a locked treasure chest that'll only open once all the bad guys are dead. So if you want some extra supplies or things, I don't know that those usually have anything that's critical to... Uh, so there's not like a hookshot or a boomerang or anything like that in this in this game. By the time that you're kind of out of the major, the, the tutorial area, you've, you'll have gone into four shrines, and each one of those you'll have gotten a special power. So it'll be like um, the, the power to use bombs or the power to uh, use attract things with magnesis or stasis or freeze things and... And so you have a, a pretty expansive range of stuff right out of the get-go. And then it seems to me like the rest of the story, the rest of the game is just spent kind of getting um, increasingly stronger weapons and armor, um, but not necessarily like a mallet or a hookshot or, you know, a, a freeze wand or fire wand or whatever, like like past Zelda games, right? So this game actually seems like um, a pretty big break with a lot of, the series conventions that I think had kind of calcified over the years. Um, and it seems if I were to summarize what I, what I think, I mean, just the impression that I've got from you and Legrand kind of talking about it a little bit, it seems like the follow me, if this makes sense, it seems like the structure of the game is much flatter than, than previous Zelda games. Like you have, you know, most of your core traversal abilities right up front, uh, the weapons are, you know, pretty all right. They're go- they're all going to break. There's really not a-, a whole lot of advantage to one over another. Uh, it seems like it's mostly open, so you don't necessarily have to to go to any particular place you don't want to. Um, it it just seems very, I mean, almost democratized. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but it's like here you go, whatever you want to do. It's... I liken it to, and and it's not it's not at all the same sort of game, but the way that the first couple of Fallout games. Um, basically kick you out and give you one main objective and tell you very little to nothing about how to go about accomplishing that. Uh, it, it seems kind of like that. So it's like you, right. you just, you start, you're in the world, there's Ganon, you need to kill Ganon. <laughs> and, right. and the rest Use is your up to ingenuity. you. Yeah. Which is govern yourself accordingly. very cool. And very, um, it's, it's not at all what you would come to expect from the Zelda, especially since, 
Ocarina. I, so before Ocarina, you could kind of say that the the other games were um, well. The other games were definitely sort of inscrutable. Like um, they didn't help you a whole lot. Maybe a Link to the Past right. did a little bit, but the first definitely the first couple of games. But since Ocarina and including that game, you've always had like Navi or Midna or just some annoying tutorial thing, uh, and it's always like leading you by the nose around the world. And it's like there's these eight dungeons. You gotta go all do all the eight dungeons or whatever. <laughs> and um, it really seems like whoever the design team on this was just like we we need to like just totally strip down Zelda to it's not even it's like component parts, but like even further down, you know, we need to just kind of take the, the idea, the, the feelings we want to evoke and, you know, we'll have link and we'll have Zelda and it'll be like swords and fantasy and, and everything else is new. It's a new approach. So it's, it's funny because at, at once it seems like they're placing a lot of trust in the hands of the player just to, you know, be able to do what they want to. But then they've also made it so that, I mean, let's say somebody doesn't know where they're supposed to go next. It doesn't seem like I've heard anyone really talking about how bummed out they are because they can just go and do whatever and it still feels rewarding. Yeah, I guess. I, I, the only thing I can really think of is that Nintendo, somebody at Nintendo is really paying attention to games like Minecraft and, um, Stuff in that sort of vein where it's like just very open open ended, and they, you know, someone realized that hey, people can get out there and have fun with, um, you know, a, an objective, but not a breadcrumb trail leading you to every that single takes you all the way through it. thing yeah. through it. Uh, it's it's just yeah, I don't. Know. It's it's really good. Um, all right. Well, I guess to keep keep working on those uh, on those whimsy points, you know, we got to have a fun story at some point where something amazing happens. So play it some more, find some weird physics thing or something that happens, come back and let us know. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll see about that. <laughs> um, Make it happen. Uh, I have I have definitely done that sort of thing in in the past with with other games that uh, I think this kind of borrows an ethos from things like Stalker, or Far Cry series, right? Like right, uh, or even like just cause or something um right. oh so the other thing i, I picked up shovel knight the it's just called like the shovel knight collection or whatever it's like the kingly collection or the treasure chest or something yeah i think or... that's it the tre- shovel knight treasure chest so i i got this for the switch because i had nothing but zelda on the switch so right. um it now comes at the moment it's shovel knight uh plague of shadows and yep, yep. specter of torment right so it's the the three the three Shovel Knight games at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's all of them. It's um, the Treasure Trove is the name of okay, it. Okay, Treasure Trove. And I believe that uh, the King Knight quest is going to come out at some point also. Right. Um, yeah, I think it includes everything, even future stuff. The upcoming King Knight. Yeah. And then I don't if there's something after that, I don't, I don't know. But uh, uh, so far I've played, I've begun the Shovel Knight game, Shovel Knight proper. And um, I'm on like the fourth stage now, which is the the Plague Knight stage. And uh, so the the way this game plays, it's kind of like a big melange of like Super Mario Brothers three, uh, Zelda two, and like Mega Man and Castlevania games from the NES. It's like it's very clearly inspired by like all of the above and um, riffing on all of those. And um, it's got a very cool. Um, art style and, and style of music and that's that's also very faithful to that kind of 
NES aesthetic, and uh, it's also really hard. Like a lot of those games, there, <laughs> there, uh, it's it can be pretty tough. But one one yeah. thing that I think is actually cool and modern and a concession to, um, you know, merciful game design, I guess, is that uh, you never run out of continues, and there are checkpoints in each level. There's like multiple checkpoints, and there's always one right before the boss too. So, um, that's nice. Plus, you get plenty of abilities like sub weapons like Castlevania style that you can use by like holding up on the D pad and attacking. And right. you can, when you collect one, you don't like lose the others. You can alternate through them with a shoulder button. Right. Th- that's um, a lot like Mega Man because you even get yeah. the little potion pickups that recharge that particular yeah, the ability, magic. just like the, yeah. the little blue things in Mega Man. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. You're right. That is very Mega Man. Um, and it's also very legend of like adventure of link. The, like when, cause Shovel magic, Knight, yeah. you can, well, you actually have that jump and then like hold down attack. Right. So, so like Link had that in Zelda 2, right? Right. Um, and it's, and it's a big component on this because you get air from that. Like that's how you traverse over the top of, yeah. of high. So you can bounce off uh, of enemies obstacles. when you hit them, when you jump and mm-hmm. you pogo on your shovel off of an enemy. That's how you, you can reach yeah. secrets and things like that. And there's a lot yeah, of they secrets. They did a good job integrating the shoveling idea, you know, cause you can shovel up the little mounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Get, and get lots of you go into the town and the town is very Zelda too. And you meet it's someone totally there is. and they're like, are you really the shovel knight? And you can like shovel a thing. And he's like, Oh, you really are the and shovel knight. It, shovel. It's so Zelda too. in how the, the towns are that like you have the people walking by on, on the same plane that you're on. And like some of them are horse mm-hmm. head people and like <laughs> um, all this stuff. And it's, um, yeah, it's just it's very clearly an NES action game tribute, but it's it's really well done, and uh, yes. I think it's just a very solid game. So, um, and it's also because it's a big collection at this point, um, with three games and then an upcoming fourth one, uh, it's going to have a special place on my Switch there, like on on the home screen, so that uh, you know maybe by the end of the the platform's lifetime, I will have finished the game. <laughs> All the games. Yeah, well, there's yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. Like, so so you, the other thing that you can kind of do. Well, I don't know. I don't know how to tell you what to do with this. Like, I don't know if you necessarily have to complete the Shovel Knight campaign before you start one of the others. No, you don't have to because they don't. But you do kind of appreciate things more because they kind of take place kind of concurrently, sort of. Um, I don't know. I you know before you you know lose interest in it, I, I would be interested to hear what you think of Plague of Shadows. And also, I haven't had a chance yet to play Spectre of Torment because they haven't rolled it out yet. In fact, I think just today uh, they rolled it out on the Wii U. Uh, but I don't think the 3DS, I think that's going to be coming next week. Really? Um, and then there's no word yet on the PlayStation 4 or Vita or the Xbox One versions, but they're supposed Wait, to is, get them all out so tonight. So it's only out on Switch right now? Spectre yeah, of well, they, they and Wii U now. Okay. Um, I mean, they're rolling it out kind of on a per-platform basis. They're all huh. supposed to be out this month. Um, but I, had, I did not realize it was going to be a rollout process, so I was ready to play this thing like three weeks ago. And I've been super... Yeah, you could have. On, on Switch, you could have, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I've been totally missing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a Switch, though. So um, I'll get it to play Spectre well, of Torment. Well, that's, that's cool. I don't know. That's what it's cool for. Game. That, that's cool, some pure cool dedication right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, very nice. Um, so this week, I've been playing a couple of things. One of them is pretty new, and one of them is not so new. Actually, the new thing is even kind of not so new in other ways. I played my first Ease game uh, this week. This past week, I've been ease playing into Ease. It. Yeah, I've been easing into Ease, uh, or Is, I think, is how they kind of pronounce it in the, in the voiceover. Is Wise. Y apostrophe S. Wise. 
Uh, East Origin, which came out, um, I want to say, in the last month or so uh, on the PlayStation 4. And it will be coming to Vita. I think it was scheduled to be on the Vita this week, but I don't see it on the store, so it may have have experienced a bit of a delay. But I've heard people talk about East for years and years and years, and there are some people who really like it, and I've never really known what it is. Uh, you know, I, I hear that the combat is like bumping into other characters and stuff. It goes back quite a ways. Um, in fact, I was just going to try and look up a Wikipedia really quickly to see when uh, when this uh, started. Oh, the the mid-'80s or early 80s, yeah, maybe. It's like, so it's a Nihon Falcom, and it was originally on the PC... Uh, platform 1987. 87. Okay. Uh, Ease One, Ancient Ease Vanished, I guess is what it was called, and it also came out on. Uh, I think it also came out. Oh no, it was pu- published maybe by Sega. I guess is what it is. Anyway, I've never played one of these things ever, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it on podcasts and stuff. Um, Retronauts, it comes up a bunch, and uh, and I never tried it. So here I've had a chance to play Ease Origin, and um, this actually is a. It, it is in itself a remake of a prequel to the original East game. I guess it, in, in the context of the series, it takes place 700 years before the original game, I guess, something like that. And um, I, I, I did not really expect what it was going to be. So this version came out originally in 2006 on Windows PC. In fact, this is the first release of this particular game that has ever been on a console ever, actually. Um, so that, that is kind of notable. It actually came out at the end of February, I'm seeing here. Um, and actually I'm looking and, and apparently the PlayStation Vita version is currently scheduled for the end of May. So it is a cross-buy on PlayStation Network. If you buy one version of it, you get both. I do not know if it's going to be cross-save, but I hope it is because it's, uh, essentially it plays like a very simple action RPG. It's got about a, you know, two-thirds top-down isometric view. Um, it takes place all in one environment in this in this tower that kind of raises above the world of ease. There's sort of a creation myth type thing that starts out like, where did this tower come from and who were the goddesses protecting the land? And suddenly demons came and now everything's poisoned and, you know, the goddesses are in this tower and you've basically got to go in the tower and, I guess, find them. Um, so you can play as one of... Uh, originally, you can start out as two characters. I believe there's a third playable character. I haven't gotten to do it yet, but it's basically a fighter character uh, who I've chosen to play with primarily. Her name is Unica and she's kind of like an axe-wielding uh, apprentice knight, I guess. And uh, she, she has very simple combat mechanics. There's basically one attack button and then a jump button, so you can actually jump, and even though it's a two-thirds quarter view or, or whatever, um, the, you know, you, you jump, and there's some simple platforming that you do, just, you know, raised surfaces and things like that. Um, and it's basically just a free movement kind of thing. You're not even locked to the, to the cardinal directions or, or the eight directions. Um, you can pretty much move anywhere you want, and if anybody is in the range of your attack, you can hit them, so you can kind of bunch people up together, and it's, it's a little bit loose in that sense, where if you do, a, you know, an area of effect attack, you know, every, every time you hit somebody, little numbers come up, of, come up off of them. Whenever you kill someone, they explode into lots of little pickups, so there's always, like, stuff going on. And it is very, very simple. Like, if you imagine something like, um, I want to say, like, an SNES-type game, like Chrono Trigger or, you know, something like that, except it really is just a real-time sort of hacking-slashing-type game, uh, with very, very simple little puzzles, which usually equate to go to one end of this dungeon find an item, go back to the other end, place it in the slot, or, you know, there's a... You get early on a mask that allows you to see hidden passages, but it it hides 
all of the living enemies, basically, so you can't really run around with it or risk just basically getting demolished by people that you can't even see. Um, there, there is a simple equipment system. Um, in fact, on the PlayStation 4, you can just touch the touchpad and it'll immediately, immediately take you to a menu where you can equip different uh, weapons or armor or things that you've picked up, special abilities, special items, uh, things of that sort. Uh, there is a special ability meter, so as you're attacking enemies, you're sort of building up this, you know, burst limit type, uh, ability that uh, for Unica anyway just basically makes it so you take less damage and hit harder and faster um, and so you know that that's something that you can use if you have uh, you know uh, more difficult enemies or groups of enemies because as you go up levels in the tower of course people get more difficult uh, you know you're, you're more prone to dying uh, there is a limited save checkpoint system there are these twisted statues that you kind of uh, renew and, and make them into beautiful angel statues uh, those become your save points they also give you buffs you can teleport back to them at any point so it does I mean I get the feeling like they have taken some of the modern ideas of uh, of these sorts of games. I, I imagine that the earlier games probably did not have things like checkpoints and, and things like that, so uh, I can definitely tell that they have tried to make this a, uh, you know, a more friendly experience. Uh, like I said, this game is a, um, a remake. I think it was originally created... Uh, well, again, it's a Nihon Falcom game, but I think this version... Was this the PSP was... version originally? No, no, this is actually totally new. Um, and the and I want to say that this is a port of the PC game by... Um, I, th I thought it was, it was like NIS America or something. Maybe not. Well, it was, originally it was Nihon Falcom. It was published by Marvelous USA, Marvelous, I guess. Okay. Maybe the original PC version. I could but... have swore they had done a couple of Ease games on the PSP. Maybe it was the Vita. And then like those ports, those ports were also on Steam? So where are you, where are you uh, yeah, playing? Yeah, oh yeah, like uh, yeah, there's like Oath and Felgana I think is one that a lot of people talk about and uh yeah, yeah, those things where are you uh, playing this they're, one? they're definitely around. The, uh, where I'm the playing this one on the PlayStation 4. Oh, okay. Huh. So okay. this is wow. yeah, so this is it's it's kind of weird because this is a port of a release from 2006 that had previously only ever been on PC. Hmm. So Okay. Um yeah, and uh, so so like I said, it is uh, by dot dot emu or dot emu. I don't know exactly like how to pronounce that. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they kind of have a mixed record, I think. I mean, they do stuff on Android and iOS, Didn't, and I, I think I sometimes they think they just put out the Wonder Boy. Um, they did. Yep. Thing. That. So that's the other thing they yeah. did. Yeah. They and I believe that was a new development that they did as well. That's not a port. So they are typically known as a porting house. Um, and this seems like a very well done port. Uh, it it seems sort of. I mean, I didn't play the original on PC, but the environments are kind of cool. It's sort of a hybrid 3D, 2D looking thing. Um, you know, the art is interesting. The characters are sort of your typical anime paper doll type. Uh, characters and um, I, I am interested in playing it. It, it does uh, remote play really well. It's a very good candidate for uh, Vita remote play or PlayStation TV. I believe it works on both. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to look forward to the Vita version when it comes out next month. And I doubt I'll have finished it by then, but hopefully it uh, will cross over and I'll be able to pick up where I left off on the uh, on the console version. So uh, that's the first game I've been playing. The second one that I've been playing is a little bit older, but I believe it is currently in a humble bundle right now. I've been playing a game called Renowned Explorers International Society, which uh, came out, I want to say, originally in like 2015 something like that so it's a couple of years old at this point 
And uh, this is on PC. I believe it's also uh, on, on Steam anyway. I believe you can also play it on Linux or uh, OS X. I think it's one of those you, kinds of games. You can also pick it up on GOG. I actually bought this a few, um, maybe a year ago or so, and played it a little bit. I really like the art style. Yeah, so the idea of it is it's kind of like if you think, I, I've written down here, it's Indiana Jones versus FTL. Um, and the idea is that you play as a group of explorers and and the exploring team that you choose can sort of be randomized there are different characters who have particular specialties they're all very caricaturized you know this guy might be good with knives and that guy might be quick with a wit you know witty comment or something like that i don't know it's it's one of those kinds of things and each of them actually do have benefits that you get in game uh you then in in the style of indiana jones you travel the world and any little destination point that you can go to is its own little campaign map or exploration map and you kind of move from point to point kind of like an FTL and uh, the idea is that at, you have a limited number of moves so you have this provisions or, or this bread icon that sort of determines how many moves you get before you have to stop uh, and you don't want to have to stop you want to get to the end of the of the campaign before you have to turn around and go back uh, and every step that you take on the map potentially has uh, an encounter, a challenge that you might overcome for, for points or for benefits. Um, there might be a, you know, if you've got a character who has a special ability who just happens to be able to do a certain thing, like translate an ancient text or, you know, observe the, the you know, stones of a, of a monolith or something like that. And the idea is that as you go through these campaigns, you're gathering up tokens to eventually become the most renowned explorer in the international society of renowned explorers. So it's very like early 1900s, like the, the romance of, of uh, exploring the world and, and that sort of thing. Um, it kind of works. So a while ago, I had um, uh, mentioned a game which was called um, Ironcast, which was kind of a roguelike, but it had a kind of an overarching progression like you could lose at any given point and that was the end of your run but as you completed different little missions you would kind of accumulate better abilities or you would level up certain characters or you'd be you'd have more things to spend on unlocks and things like that and renowned explorers kind of works the same way where as you go through the world you might get tokens that represent uh, gen general campaign tokens, uh, you might get research tokens or, or for completing encounters or combat, you might get those things. And then when you complete that mission, you go back and you spend those in the universities of the world giving lectures and taking jobs, you know, kind of like Indiana Jones, uh, you know, was actually a, a, a professor, you know, that kind of thing. And so you use that to unlock abilities and equipment and followers and things that give you different bonuses for your next expedition, basically. And the idea is that you're on kind of this leaderboard where this hypothetical nemesis explorer is, is at the very top and you're trying to knock him down and become the most renowned explorer. Uh, another thing that's inter interesting about this, I mentioned the uh, encounters, which are basically like combat scenarios. It kind of takes you into a little tactical map. Um, and you can fight people, but there are also different kinds of attacks like friendly attacks or subversion attacks, I, I think they're called, um, which they all basically equate to the same thing. You can take a character out of play using any of those attacks, but as you use them, so let's say you use a friendly attack, that buffs the ability to use, say, a physical attack against them later on. And depending on the types of attacks you use and the types of ways that you defeat characters, um, you, you might get different 
levels of tokens, or you might uh, change the, I guess, the countenance or the aspect. Like if you're known for being aggressive, uh, characters that you meet in the field might treat you differently, or, uh, you know, those things do kind of matter. But you also have to survive the encounter, too, so you might have to do a mix of... You know, and it's kind of funny to me because you could kill somebody and then start using friendly attacks and kind of over time make everything okay again. Like, oh, we don't care you killed that guy. Um, but they do give you a few different ways to get through those encounters and, uh, uh, and you know, and, and progress and uh, and beat those things. So uh, overall, it's a, it's a fairly simple little game. But again, the initial assessment that I gave Indiana Jones versus FTL is is probably the best way to think of it. Um, the, the, the iron cast element to it, you know, the persistent... Um, accumulated experience points and, and abilities and, and items, you know, that kind of adds to it. And they basically just have a bunch of simple little systems all together. And it actually works out really well. Like Jared said, the art style is kind of fun to look at. The music is sort of rousing and adventuresome. Um, and like I said, I believe right now it is on a humble bundle, uh, which I'm going to check right now. It looks like it is on it is, the... Yeah. Uh, yep, so it's, I guess it's just on the straight up Humble Bundle, so currently it's on the second tier, so beat the average, currently $6 or so to, uh, to get Renowned Explorers and some other good stuff as well. Um, so definitely check it out, it is, uh, pretty fun, and, uh, again, if you're in, into a light strategy or a, uh, kind of a chill experience, uh, Renowned Explorers is, uh, not a bad way to go. Another decent way to go, listeners, is uh, our next Game Bite Show podcast, which is coming up before you know it. Uh, we're going to be back in a few days to talk to you and recap the news of this week in video games. We'll talk to you about the new releases and also have a video game topic of discussion. Uh, might delay it by a day, I'm not sure, because I'm going to be out of town, so we're going to have to decide if we want to two-man it or uh, you know wait an extra day and... Uh, it out a little bit later, but we will be back, and if you have subscribed to us over at our website, GameBiteShow.com, of course, you'll be notified as soon as those podcast episodes become available. Uh, we are available on social media as well. If you have any feedback for us on the games that we've played, or if you'd like to tell us about the games that you're playing, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We can be reached collectively at GameBitesShow. You can also find us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. I am at Count Elmdor. And I'm at Red underscore I. And our fourth man, LeGrand Jolly, out today is at LeGrand, L-E-G-R-A-N-D-E. And as we alluded to a couple of times in this show, we have a pretty cool twitch.tv stream over at twitch.tv slash gamebyteshow. Uh, we've also mentioned the archives that you can find. We archive all that stuff over at youtube.com slash gamebyteshow. And, uh, Jared, we have built up quite a back catalog of cool videos of us playing video yeah. games. Yeah. There's, I think... I know there's over a hundred, uh, like over 130 videos over there that you should definitely check out. Yes, I, and, and really good variety too. I mean, we do action stuff and strategy stuff and Maldita Casilla, which is really We've gonna done, be going uh, on for probably quite a while. We've done full playthroughs of Tales from the Borderlands and the Game of Thrones Telltale game. I forget what yeah, that was called. Yeah, that's right. That's right, uh, Game of Thrones. Yep, so. Just Game of Thrones. Lots of good stuff over there. Yep, and if you have any requests for us, just send some messages our way. Let us know what you might like to see us play, because gosh darn it, we're pretty entertaining, believe it or not. <laughs> um, so check us out over there at twitch.tv and subscribe and be notified there as well when we go live. Until next time, folks, this has been your Game Bite Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this time, and we will see you on our next show. Bye. Peace.